We want to look at how Daniel is a man of desires. We want to look at how his desire is for, first of all, for God. His desire is for his land, his country. And thirdly, his desire we'll look at is for his kinsmen. So Daniel, a man of desires. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, please. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years, whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets which speak in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as it is this day unto the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries, whether thou hast driven them because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings and to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belongeth mercies and forgivenesses, Though we have rebelled against him, neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. Let's pray. Father, take your own inspired word this evening and now inscribe it in our hearts. And Lord, would you challenge us tonight, every single one of us from this man to every other person in this building tonight. Lord, would you bless the the helpers and the teachers with the children tonight. And we ask you, O God, that all things that are done in this house would be for your glory. So, Lord, hide me. And I ask you, Lord, to help me to bring your word as you would have it to be said, not from the lips of a man, but may it be the oracles of God. Father, your word is that which counts, which matters. Lord, and what I say coming from my heart means little to nothing. So, Father, shut us in with yourself and speak, we pray. 
We ask it in the worthy name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Daniel, his name means judged by God. Dan, there's a tribe called Dan. You see our banners here. There's a tribe called Dan. Dan means judge. Dan, the tribal name was to be a judge. And with no vowels in the Hebrew, it would be, you could put a D-A-N, D-U-N in it, or D-O-N, Don, Azon, Adonai, which means God, a judge, Don in it. Dan means judge by God, El. El for Elohim and so on. So Dan means judged by God or God is my judge. And Daniel, as he is in Babylon, he's taken away as a young man. He's what the scriptures tell us in the book of Jeremiah. He's what he is determined as with some of the younger men and the cream of the crop of Judah. When taken from Jerusalem, they are known as good figs. Then there are those who are rebellious and not truly of Judah at all. They're called naughty figs, very naughty, we're told. But Daniel, he's now in Babylon. He's a man whose name means judged by God. And he also becomes known as Daniel, the man of desires. Daniel, the man of desires. And the meaning of his name shows and proves Daniel's character. Because Daniel had a conscience. Daniel had a conscience that there was a God that he would stand before who would judge him. Even when he's in a desert land, even when he's far away, out of sight from Jerusalem, even no matter where he is, no matter what he's doing, Daniel's conscience is this that the God of the universe, of heaven, Yahweh, that God would one day judge him. And hence his name brought remembrance every day for his life. Daniel walked before God and he had a character. He had a witness. And now he's an old man. Daniel could be well in his 80s now at this point of Daniel chapter 9, maybe 90. And this old man has been conscious throughout his life, even in captivity, that his habits, his lifestyle, became so habitual that he would not bend to what was happening to the things around him. We find that Daniel, 70 years after Judah or the Jews are taken into captivity, Seventy years end is approaching. And at that 70 years, where do we find Daniel? But on his knees in prayer. He's praying from his heart's desire. First of all, he repents. And he worships his God. Secondly, he cries from his heart's desire for the land that God had given. It had become desolate. For the country that God had said that he would give to Abraham. And thirdly, he is now in repentance and crying out for the people of Israel, the northern kingdom, who were taken away and scattered 120 years before, and his own people, pardon me, at this point, 220 years before. And at this point now, 
around 70 years earlier, his own people from Jerusalem, Judah. And Daniel is seeing that there's a dispersion. Daniel is seeing that in Babylon, even those like Esther later on that are there, there's some of those who from, are from Judah who are now starting to fall into the ways of the Babylonian Medo-Persian world. They're starting to fall backward away from God. They're starting to allow the things of the heathen to encroach into the things of God. They're starting to allow the, 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 the life around them to tear down their faith that they had in the living God. But Daniel, 70 years later as an old man, where do we find him? But in the place of prayer. Brother, sister, do you remember the time you were always in the place of prayer? Do you remember the time every time the doors of the church opened for God's people to gather, you wanted to be in the place of prayer? Yet the prayer meeting, the prayer room, which stokes the flames of furnace to bring down the power of God is the most neglected meeting of all meetings. Do you remember that there was never a time that you could do without prayer? And now it's, we can go all week without prayer, or maybe for a day without prayer. Prayer is essential for it as the vehicle that moves the hand that holds the world. Here we find Daniel. He knows he needs prayer, and yet he's in an elevated position in Medo-Persia or Babylon. We find Daniel that he was this uh, young man, and, and we read in Daniel chapter 6, he's made his way up through the ranks because God was with him. Does it not show you that even when our nation is falling to bits, even when our country all around us is coming into such sin, even whenever we find there's so many people allowing so many things to hinder them, especially God's people, especially the church, that they're allowing the world to come into their life, that they have a lax lifestyle because of liberalism and the easy lifestyle preaching in many places. We're finding that the church no longer has a, a conscience of God at all times. But yet those who stay steadfast through all the hardness of it, they find the Lord is with them every step of the way. Daniel, this man, this young man, now an old man, he became what is known as one of the presidents of Babylon or the Medo-Persian Empire which came after it. We had Darius in our reading. He's the king. Darius has three presidents. Daniel is the first president. He's the next in line now to Darius. And then there are two other presidents. Read Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And then you have 120 princes for 120 provinces. And here's this young man who would not bow, who would not bend, who kept the faith and stayed on his knees in prayer he is this man now who's older. And now God has blessed him and elevated him into a position of government where he can be of effect. Oh God, will you give us men an Ulster? 
Would you give us women of all, in Ulster in the United Kingdom who are going to take a stand for the Word of God, who will not bow the knee, who will not bend to all the things that are going on around us, but will claim Christ as Lord and King over all, and will bring everything to Him in prayer. Here, Daniel was the first, we're told. He was next in line to Darius. The presidents and the princes, they wanted to find fault in Daniel. And you can be assured that you take your stand for God and people will want to find fault in you. They'll look for the hole to poke at. They'll look for the, the bare thread to pull that things may fall apart, that you'll come asunder. But listen, if you keep yourself right before God and you get into that place of prayer and seeking the face of your Father, I can tell you, it may not be easy, but He'll always be with you. One old Puritan says, I'd rather be in hell with a promise from God than in heaven without one. And what he's trying to say is, even in hell, God's promises have power and effect to do mighty working things. Here, Daniel, here he's saying, I will not bow. I will not bend. He is now come up the ranks. A habit of prayer. Here we find these princes, they wanted to catch him out. And we find in Daniel 6 and verse 7 that they make what was known as a a decree, or they passed a firm decree. Listen to what it says, Daniel 6 and 7, verse 7, reading onward. That whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened, in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel, do you see if you do what you, you're doing? See if you keep it up. See if you keep trusting in God. If you start and get on your knees three times a day, Daniel, if you keep the faith, you're going to get into trouble. Now, wouldn't it be easy for us to say, well, you know what, Daniel? Don't even open your windows and whisper. Nobody can see through the wall. Don't open your windows to Jerusalem and, and don't be crying and praying out toward it. Close them and no one will know any different. Or, look, Daniel, it's only 30 days. Why don't you take a, a hiatus or go on some vacation for a while? A little holiday will do you good and come back. You've worked so hard and just stay out of the road. 30 days, sure, God will fully and completely understand. That's the mentality of church today. Brothers and sisters, it may be the mentality of church, but it's not the mentality of the Word of God. Daniel says, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing because I have tried and tested this armor, and the one who gives it to me is able to bring me through. Is able to bring me through. See, many face, face these difficulties without knowing Christ. Many Christians have lost that sense of reality of the Holy Ghost. And there's people unsaved and they get through 
they try to go through things in life without God. They don't have the, the, the knowledge of their sins forgiven. They don't know what it's like to live before God and have Him with them every step of the way. They have no God to turn to in prayer because they don't know how to do it. And they're lost and they're in darkness and they're defeated. They don't know what way to turn and how do we get through this? But yet, all the time, God is saying, I'm here. I'm here. I would think back to my past and I think of the times I came through. And I can tell you, only by His grace am I speaking to you tonight. And even from I got saved, I can tell you it's only by His grace am I speaking to you tonight. Daniel found that his God was able, able to save, able to deliver, able to do that which he said he would do, and able to keep his covenant with his people. Daniel never changed. You say old habits die hard. And there's some Christians and they have old habits dying hard. And some Christians, you, you, they come in smelling and reeking of cigarette smoke. Some you can smell the retouch of the old vino off the breath. Either the power of God is within you and able to overcome that or you haven't got close enough to Christ, there's something wrong. God is able to deliver you, brother. I know it's not popular today. I know that you'll go to many churches today and they'll tell you, eat, drink, and be merry. They'll tell you to live how you want and do how you like and live the way you please. But the Lord says, be ye holy. I am holy. Here we find that Daniel wouldn't even eat their food. He kept the food laws of God. He wouldn't eat it. And in fact, he says, I'm going to eat pulse and beans. And my God is still able to give me more strength for what you want me to do or what you think I can do than you can give me, O king. And we find that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all they could ever ask or think because he had an excellent spirit and God was with him. Notice this. He gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He never changed. Daniel, when he prayed, an old Puritan called Thomas Watson, this is what he said about prayer. Prayer is the soul's breathing itself into the bosom of its heavenly Father. I want to say it again. I want you to catch it. Prayer is the soul's breathing itself into the bosom of its heavenly Father. You see, here's the thing. Daniel had no choice because every time he knelt before God three times a day and opened the windows to Jerusalem, and every time he did it, it wasn't just a little ritual he was going through. He was living in the Spirit. He was breathing his soul into the bosom of the Father. He was opening his spirit to the miraculous wonders of God. This is the man 
who was able to read the writing on the wall. This is the man who will read who was in the lion's den and God shut their mouth. Daniel, he just didn't go and say, well, here I am again. He went and he breathed his full desire, his whole heart, into the bosom of his father. That old hymn by Fanny Crosby, there's a wee a verse and it says, oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer, I'm with thee, my God. I commune as friend with friend. We need to get, as a church, I need to. We need as a church, as an assembly, oh, that the church would universally get into that place again where it's not just ritual, but it's not just ceremonial, but it is living. It is relationship. It is breathing. It is living in his presence. Daniel prayed, breathing his soul into the bosom of his heavenly father, and he knew God. He communed with God, and he loved his God. See, that was his desire, first and foremost, was his God. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is. Let's just do a, a heart check tonight within ourselves and ask, where is my treasure? What is my treasure? Who is my treasure? Jesus says, if your treasure is him, if he is your treasure, that's where your heart will be. I, 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 you can forgive me for taking so many quotations. I don't always do, do uh, many quotations. But old Puritan Samuel Rutherford once said, Since he hath looked upon me, my heart is not mine own, for he hath run away to heaven with it. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Since Christ has looked upon me, he says, my heart isn't my own. Christ has taken my heart and took it to heaven when he ascended. Do you know where our treasure is? It's standing at the right hand of the majesty on high. My treasure is Christ himself. Our treasure should be Jesus and Jesus only. Our treasure, because there, when our heart is there, there's where we will run to, that's where we will pray to. That's whom we will pursue. We will always look toward Jesus because he owns my heart. And there's nothing too difficult for us, nothing too great, nothing too far. There's nothing that we cannot surrender, yield, nor give up for the glory of his name. You know why? Because I love him. Because you love him. Who's your treasure? Here, we find that Daniel's desire, his treasure, is his God. He cannot live a day. I'm taking my time in this. He cannot live a day without being in his presence. How far are we away being in the new covenant? 
Christ lives within. Here, Daniel, why don't you pray? And if they come, you'll be protected from every avenue of attack. That's not how it works, brothers and sisters. I want to tell you something. Daniel prayed to get himself into trouble. It wouldn't be the first time I've been somewhere and they've went, now listen, don't be, just pray a wee bit and don't be letting them, you know, don't be too hard. Or preaching the word, you know, take it easy on them now, you know. I'm just saying, don't ask me to pray. Don't ask me to preach. Daniel. Daniel, he was praying to worship. He was praying to repent. He was even showing it through supplication on his knees. Daniel says, if I am going to have a relationship with my father, if I am going to have a wonderful experience and encounter with this Christ, Daniel is saying, then I am willing to get on my knees in the face of the enemy. And if he takes me, so be it. I'll pray myself into trouble. Today, the church is like this. You know, you're going to end up in Stephen Nolan someday. It's true. Even if it happened and they phoned me, you know what I would say? I'm going to talk to Frank instead. <laughs> Just for bad enough. You see, in our nation, we're finding that our nation has fallen into sin. Like the house of Israel in the Old Testament. Like Judah and I in Babylon, fallen into depravity and into sin. And the, the Daniels of the, the nation, the, 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 the church, they're not taking their stand anymore. I've been told just recently of, of some of the things that's happening now where churches are now having special meetings for the LGBT, not to befriend them, but to worship with them. I am not against men and women. But we must be true to the word of God. And when people come after you, the liberal left want you to bow down to every whim when they label you with every name that you will not take a stand. And they'll say, if you worship your God the way the Bible tells you to worship your God, if you pray the way it says you should pray, and if you come before him mentioning the blood of the Lamb, then we will arrest you. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. And many Christians say, you know what, I'm going to give up and go home. Babies are slaughtered in their womb every day. A silent holocaust. 
terrorist rule our government and tell us whether they'll allow us back into it again or not. Church, what is wrong? What is wrong with the church today? Britain has become a toothless lion. And the church has decided that it's going to lie down and die. Here, Daniel prayed himself into trouble. He knew Yahweh, his God, well. And in the land's den, he was willing to worship before his own well-being. Listen, brother, sister. Daniel was willing to worship God in the face of the enemy. He was willing to worship before his own well-being. Sometimes we are more concerned about our well-being than the worship before our Father. We're afraid to speak of him in work. We're afraid to speak of him in the shop. I'm going to tell you something I don't know about you, but see, every time I'm out, my children are here and they'll tell you. My wife will tell you she's up in the crash. Every time we're out, no matter where the cafe is, I make a point of us sitting around the table and praying over the food. Father, I give you thanks. And it's whether it's whatever restaurant it is of any persuasion in any place. Here we have forgotten our heritage and it's all been thrown out at the expense of Christ, his crown and covenant. We find that the tail is wagging the dog, telling the people of God how to live, coming in and building their temples and their false places of worship and saying, we will one day rule your land. I have something to tell you. No, they won't. Jesus is coming. Christ is coming. These are just mere signs that the Son of God will be sent forth in the clouds of glory. And we will meet him face to face. Notice Daniel prays himself into trouble, into danger, right into the lion's den. And he could cry out with conviction of his heart, even as David, who had many trials, cried out in Psalm 38 and verse 9, Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. Daniel could say, Lord, look, here I am. I'm staying faithful to you. We're not talking about hating people. We're not talking about hurting people or being violent to people. We're talking about, yes, we can love people, but I love my Savior first. He is my heart's desire. And he is my liege Lord, to whom I bow the knee. Even before kings and princes, 
and queens and governments. Even before all, no king but Christ. Here we find Daniel, his name was changed to Belteshazzar by the Babylonians. And Belteshazzar means treasury of Baal or prince of Baal or Baal. Now that is the heathen deity. That is the Babylonian mystery god. Really it is from Nimrod, going back to Genesis chapter 10 and into 11. It's from Nimrod who tried to build the Tower of Babel to heaven and God came and struck that tower. And here they now change it. It shows we're going to take over your faith. We're going to take over the very seed line of God. That's what's happening here. From the, These Arabic hordes came and they says, we're going to take it over. We're going to change your name. You're going to lose your way. You're not going to know who you are. But Daniel would not take what they spoke over him. And rather, Daniel says, no, my God is El. Elohim, the God and creator of all things. Daniel was worshiping Jesus. It's as simple as that. The Lord Jesus Christ. So here we find Daniel would not would not take the name, neither regard it the change nor the circumstance. And listen, he wouldn't regard his residence. Change of residence, he'd done well in it. Oh, yes, he did. But every day, three times, he opens his window to look toward Jerusalem. He knows, he says, Lord, you've given me a promise in this hell. You know what the promise was? God says through the prophet Jeremiah, after 70 years, I will bring you out again. You see, if you read the Word of God, you'll find that God's Word is always true. More up to date than your local newspaper. In fact, God tells us it before it happens. You and I would see maybe on, in fact, someone mentioned it earlier. Um, there, was a little, there was a little dog tag that was in my wife's pocket and, and uh there was a wee scripture on it. And we see it all the time. People post it all the time and people put it up and write it out and speak it all the time. It's in Jeremiah chapter 29. And it's verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And, and that's lovely because we take that and we say, Lord, that isn't a marvelous scripture for me. You've got to really, you, you're thinking well of me. And that's true. That's not the context. Let's read the verse before and then the verse after. Verse 10 says, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon. Before they go into Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. He's in Jerusalem. Jeremiah's in Jerusalem. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Now listen, then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Verse 13, and ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Verse 14, he says, and I will be found of you. What's Daniel doing? He's getting on his knees and he's saying, Lord, the time is coming. The word is being fulfilled. And you're going to move. And things are going to happen. You said it. That settles it. I will believe it. Now, Lord, you'll perform it. That's what he's doing. 
God says you'll be there. He's reading the book of Jeremiah. In fact, in, in, in Daniel chapter 9, you read on into the book. It's one of the most debated chapters of, of prophecy there. Daniel's 70-week prophecy and so on. And people say the last week's yet to come. And others say it's already happened. I believe it's already happened. But there you are. And, and here, Daniel is, is here. And it's said about a man coming to make a covenant and all this sort of stuff. I don't want to get into all that tonight. It's already happened. Christ made the covenant. How do we know? Because he's reading Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, the Lord says, Behold, the day has come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not the same covenant I made with their fathers. What was that? It's the blood of the everlasting covenant when Christ died on the cross. Daniel is here and he is crying unto God and he's praying that God would move according to his word. Lord, you're going to bring us out. You're going to do great things. You're going to work miracles. You're going to bless. You've told us after 70 years and the time clock is according to what I have etched on the wall, Lord. My calendar says you're going to do it. And guess what? He did. You can trust God for his word. You can trust God for his word. Here's Daniel praying. He's praying the word of God back to God. Not that God forgets and needs reminded, but he's praying the word of God back. He's praying the promises of God and the fulfillment of them. Listen, we likewise need to pray for our nation and for our people. The fact that a great restoration was promised in the word of God he says, in the last days he would send Elijah the prophet. That is the spirit of Elijah into the church. That's a miracle working power of the spirit. Calling men and women to repentance before God. Before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Before the coming of Christ. This is the day for the church now to seek God for the Elijah ministry in the church. This is the day that you say, Lord, the spirit you give to Elijah, would you bring men and women like that back into the church? Why? That we would stand before our governments. That we wouldn't be afraid to go up to Stormont. That the next time someone who's maimed and slaughtered stands up there and tells everybody else that they want to believe in equity, that we're unashamed and unafraid to stand there and say, well, this word of God says you should have been put to death. I'm a wee bit hard, am I? It's the truth. It's the truth. We need men who are unashamed that will go into the city centers and preach again. Evangelism ministry to go out all around our nation, calling the sinner to repentance before God to tell him, listen, whether he comes or calls, you must get right with God. For the days are being fulfilled before us. We must be like Daniels, have men and women with desire for our God, first of all, in love with Christ, in love with God's Word. In love with their nation. To see it one back to God. The people that are around us, People here, people watch, 
Hundreds will watch this. I don't know, sometimes there's thousands, sometimes there's hundreds, but that doesn't matter. No matter who sees us, no matter where it's you in here or someone else later on or away down the line somewhere, I want us to know this. I want us to know that I love you. I may seem hard, but I'm unashamed of Christ and his word. I'm unashamed. People have given us a mamby, pamby, wishy-washy gospel, and they have given us an effeminate Jesus. He was a man of men. He stood against the very people of the church age or the, the Jewish church age. He went to the temple, and he called them out on the things that were wrong according to the word and according to the word of his father. He went against government and he told the men to render unto Caesar the things of Caesar, but unto God the things that are God's. And we're selling out our God for the things of the Caesars of this world. And the church, it's ever an easy lifestyle. It's just so easy. Acts factors on. I'm going to miss I'm a celebrity tonight if I go to the mission. See, you know it's true. Don't we? Don't we? I can live and do what I want. Sure. I'm under the blood. I'm all under grace. And yes, you are in the blood if you're saved. You are all under grace. I, I don't agree. I don't disagree with that. I do agree with that. But walk before God. Walk before Him. And get into a place of relationship or you will hear him speak. And you're not looking for a preacher or a pastor. You're not looking for anyone else to come to have to say, this is what the word says. You go to him, and he, you prove him. Seek me, he says, you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart, and I will be found of you. I'll try and wrap this up. Someone once said, tell me what the people are praying, for I will tell you what God is going to do. Do you see when we get into unity as a church and pray? Do you see when God lays it on our hearts for our people and for the lost and for the backslidden? Do you see when God lays it on our hearts for the sick and the infirm? Do you see when God lays on us that we cannot do a day without him, without being in his presence, without being in his house, without having his fellowship, when we get together in unity and when we're apart, when we get to that place? When we get to that place, then we'll be able to tell you what God's about to do. Because it will be God who will be using us as the vehicle of prayer. We should be praying, as John prayed in Revelation 22 and 20, the last prayer of the Scriptures, and it's an exclamation prayer. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. One of the sounds of the coming of his footsteps is the praying of his people. I about everybody coming out and saying, we're not leaving this place, Lord, and we're praying for your second coming. 
Oh boy. But here's the thing, you see, we've all unsaved loved ones. And if you're not saved and Jesus was to come, you would be lost. And we've saved members of our family who we will see again. The resurrection, we will see them again when Christ returns. We will be with them. We will see them. And there are those who are unsaved. And if Christ was to come and we were to pray and pray and pray and seek his face and say, we are not going to give up, Lord, for we are praying you back into our nation again. We want you to come and fix this world. The sound of his footsteps would be when the church starts to do that. Gets into a place to seek his face. I really got to stop. Thank you for your attention. I haven't even touched our scripture yet. Daniel is not forgetful for Israel who had gone on before. The northern kingdom are gone about, I'd say 220, I think it's about 200 maybe. If my my mouth isn't maybe right. I'm trying to do it in my head. Gone in maybe 200 years at this point. 70 years has passed and Judah has went into captivity. And Daniel prays for those who are with him and near about him in Babylon, for a remnant that's at Jerusalem, for those that are near and are far, and even for those whom you have scattered, Lord, in the far countries. He says, Lord, I remember them. He says, I don't know where they are, but you do. Brother, sister, likewise, are many of our families, we say, Lord, what are we going to do? I don't know where they are, but you do. Where are they with you, Lord? I don't even know where my son or my daughter is. They've went. Maybe they've even left them in another country. What are they doing right now? Listen, God's already there. And he knows where they are. Keep praying. And lift them up before the throne of grace. And say, Lord, will you bring them to the cross? that they may come under the Lamb to finish all Lamb's sacrifice for the redemption of his people. Daniel was a man of desires. He desired his God first. He desired the Lamb next. And he desired the people in his prayers. Church, don't win. Please hear me. Do not win. In fact, don't hear me. I believe the Spirit's speaking tonight. Don't win. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Don't slacken off. Don't get lazy. Let's keep pressing forward and pressing on in Jesus' name. Because, believe, that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless his word to all of our hearts.